all you need. It's true. Amen. Thank you, Michael. I don't know who picks these songs. Hey, but the drummer was pretty good, huh? Yeah. That's, that's Francisco, and he represents the global reach of the sanctuary because uh, Francisco is from Chile, so he came all the way up here to play the drums this morning. Yeah. And date my daughter. So that's like another, another, another thing. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you uh, that you are here with us. And now we pray that we would preach your word. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. This is our 43rd and last sermon from the book of Ephesians. And the last two words of Ephesians really summarize the whole letter. Chapter six, verse 21. So that you also may know how I, Paul, am doing and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Love incorruptible. All we need is love. This sermon is about love. And so I expect you to expect it to be vague and nauseating <laughs> or narrow and guilt-inducing. If the pastor is liberal, it's easy to cite some poetry about love and say love is everywhere, which really means it's nowhere and nothing because folks get to define love as they see fit at any particular moment. If the pastor is conservative, it's easy to define love as this or, or that, and, and, and then the pastor says you better do this or that because if you don't do this or that, you don't love. Love is the law. The pastor tends to define the law as he sees fit and uh, thus define love as he sees fit. So, so either love is everywhere intangible, impractical, liberal, and nauseating as sin, or love is specific, tangible, practical, conservative, and impossible as a law that condemns you to death. So, what is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? Ephesians 4.23. Peace. Be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. More literally, the last uh, line is this. Grace be with all who love, agapao, our Lord Jesus Christ in incorruption, apatharsia. So commentators and translators debate what incorruption, that word incorruption or apatharsia, they debate what it refers to. 
Some say it refers to the whole sentence. That is God's grace, which is love poured out, God's grace and our love for God. Most scholars say it's obviously referring to the verb agapao, that is love. So most versions translate the phrase as love incorruptible. But some wonder, how could our love be incorruptible? So the King James and the New King James translate the little phrase as sincerity. So it reads like this, grace to those who love God with sincerity. But if you love God with sincerity, that is all your heart, why would you need grace? And the word aptharsia doesn't really mean sincerity, but refers to something that cannot be destroyed, something that cannot be corrupted. The Greek philosophers used to debate what aptharsia was, what, what incorruptibly, what was incorruptible, what was indestructible. Parmenides said, what is, is. And what is not, is not. Which means what is, cannot move and cannot be divided. For what is could only be divided by what is not. But what is not is not. And what is could only move to what is not. But what is not is not. So what is cannot move or be divided. It's like perfect beingness. The perfect noun, aptharsia or aptharthos. Heraclitus said that Parmenides is just like smoking crack or something because the only thing unchangeable is change itself. So aptharsia is movement, the perfect verb. Well, Paul is saying love is aptharsia. And it's interesting that love is a noun and a verb. But how could our love be aptharsia? Well, love is a mystery. And yet we all feel this need to define it. I wanna know what love is. What I'm saying is we all feel the need to define love. We all feel the need to like nail it down. I grew up with these cartoons. Love is when he gives you a foot massage. Love is like nothing you've ever experienced before. But haven't you experienced a foot massage before? Right? Because that's kind of that's confusing. Love is putting on a smiley face. So is, is love an act? Like smiling about a, a foot rub that you didn't really enjoy or never experienced before. I, okay. Or love is your secret feelings revealed. Well, that's not an act. So, I mean, I grew up with this idea that, that love is two weird naked kids saying just confusing crap. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> So what is love? Some say love is a feeling or a chemical in the blood. 
Blessing my soul, what's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man on a fuzzy tree. My friends say I'm acting wild as a bug. I'm in love. Huh. I'm all shook up. Oh, 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 yeah. Is love a hormone? Is it a feeling and an affection? A few weeks ago, Andrew taught us that the Greeks had several words that can be translated as love. Phileo means affection, especially between friends, friendship. Stergo means affection, especially between parents and children. Arao or eros refers to sexual affection, even consuming desire. Well, as Andrew mentioned, the early church took a little used and rather colorless word that was often a synonym for those other words, they took agapao or agape and gave it new meaning. And so agape is not the same as phileo, stergo, and eros. And yet Jesus calls us friends. That's like phileo. And Paul has told us that God is our father. We are his children. That's like stergo. And Christ is our bridegroom. And we are his bride. You know, the first commandment is be fruitful and multiply. My experience is that obedience to that command involves some feelings, some hormones, even some chemicals in the blood. Read Ezekiel 16 or, or the Song of Solomon. That's just like downright erotic. And Paul writes, husbands, agapao, your wives, as Christ does the church. So, so agape love is not the same as eros, stergo, and phileo, but is not opposed to eros, stergo, and phileo. It's more like it completes or fills eros, stergo, and phileo. So, so maybe, maybe love is a feeling. But our feelings are corruptible. So maybe love is not our feelings. Some people say, love is not a feeling. You cannot command a feeling. Love is a commandment. Love is a choice. Love is a commitment. Love is a covenant. Love is a promise kept. In scripture, God makes covenant with his children Israel, with his bride Jerusalem. And the terms of the covenant are love, or to be more accurate, a description of love called the law. Through Joshua, God says, choose this day whom you will serve. And Joshua, which by the way is the, the, the Hebrew uh, word for, for Jesus, Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and then he says, but y'all can't choose to serve the Lord. Weird, huh? So God makes a covenant with his people and his people can't fulfill the terms of the covenant. They can't seem to love. We call that the old covenant. But God also made a new and eternal covenant, not with, but for his people. And with that covenant, he fulfills the terms of the old covenant and ratifies the new and eternal covenant. The point being that God is the promise keeper. And we are just not very good promise keepers. God's choice, God's judgments, God's faithfulness, God's actions are incorruptible. But ours seem to be entirely corruptible. So if love is a choice and love is incorruptible, well, love is certainly not our choice. 
And if love is a commitment and love is incorruptible, well, then love is certainly not our commitment. And if love is an action, well, maybe it's not our action. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Who's singing that? 1 Corinthians 13. Paul describes love. Now, most people seem to think that there's like a footnote in the original text that says, now really don't pay attention to what I'm about to say next because this is just a silly love poem to be read at weddings. But there's no footnote. So I dare you to take this literally. 13.1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Now think about that. All faith minus love equals, class, nothing, nothing. So all faith is love. And is my something, for without it I'm nothing, but an empty space waiting for something called love. If I give away all I have and if I deliver my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Think about that. If love bears all things, do the math, what do you bear? Nothing. Or you are love that bears all things. Or if you do love, maybe it's love in you that's bearing something. If you, if you do bear something. If you bear something that's love in you doing the bearing. I mean, if, you, if love believes all things, what do you believe? Nothing. Or it's love in you that's doing the believing. If love hopes all things, what do you hope? And if there's some kid over in the darkest reaches of Africa that's never been to Sunday school and he, and he hopes in something, what's doing the hoping? I mean, I didn't write the Bible, okay, but according to Paul, it's love. And, and what if he's hoping in something sinful? Well, every sin is something good infected with evil, right? So maybe it's impossible to hope in pure evil for evil is ultimately not a thing. It's a no thing. It's nothing. Well, if love hopes all things and you hope a thing, then it's love in you that's hoping the thing. If love endures all things and you endure anything, it's love in you that's enduring the thing. Next verse, verse eight. Love never ends. Love never fails. In other words, love is incorruptible, incorruptible, indestructible, invincible, and internal. It's immortal. First Timothy 6, 6, Paul writes this. God alone has immortality. 
Verse eight, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part... Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe sin is like our desire to know in part. Like to know about love, but not know and be known by love. It's, it's our desire to take love, like, like a possession or like fruit that we take from some tree. It's, it's our desire to nail love down. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Face to face with what? Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. They remain. These three, but the greatest of these is love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Who's singing that? (laughs) What is love? Well, John just comes out and says it. 1 John 4, 8. God is love. He doesn't write God is loving. As if love were something outside of God that could then define God. He doesn't write God is love and something else. As if God were part love and part not love. As if God were two and not one. He writes God is love. And for some reason, in my experience, religious people are very, very uh, quick to to state, well, that doesn't mean that love is God. And truly, you know, if I say bacon is pork, it doesn't mean that pork is bacon. Because pork is a larger category than bacon. But what could be a larger category than God? And besides, who else or what else could bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things? Who else, who else could never fail? Only God. So God is love. And real love must be God. Now, we may call things love that aren't love, or only partial love, or or tortured love, things like adultery and fornication, but... If God is love, love, real love is God. So of course love is incorruptible. Love is eternal. Love is beyond space and time as we experience it. So of course love is a noun and a verb. Like God is a noun and a verb. Perfect being and perfect action. I am that I am and his word through whom he creates all things. He's the great dance. And if love is a feeling, it's God's feeling. If love is affection, it's God's affection. If love is passion, it's God's passion. If love is something in the blood, it's something in God's blood. The life is in the blood. If love is a choice, it's God's choice. If love is a judgment, It's God's judgment. If love is an action, it's God's action. And if love is a work, 
It's God's work. And of course we can't define love. (laughs) For love defines us and all things. We can't define love, but by grace we can recognize love. God is love. And Jesus is the revelation of love. So check this out, you liberal Christians. Love is bigger than space and time. And love is everywhere that's anywhere. Love binds all things together in perfect harmony. Love binds everything together in perfect harmony, writes Paul. But love is not defined by you. Love is not vague or whatever you want it to be. Love is small and specific as a baby in a manger or a man hanging on a cross, a specific man hanging on a cross. And check this out, you conservative Christians. Love really is that baby in that manger, but he also bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. He was crucified once and for all, but for all what? For all sin, in all space, for all time. Love is humongous. And check this out, all of you. What is sin? Well, isn't sin the absolutely insane insane belief that I can create love? When, in fact, love creates me. Sin is thinking I can create love by taking knowledge of love like fruit from a tree. So whenever we try to seize control of love, as if we could define love, possess love, and create love, we, in fact, crucify love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Maybe Jesus is singing that to us, his bride. For whenever we try to live as if love were our own accomplishment, we crucify love and pretend to love even though we hate real love. But if ever we do in fact love, what is it? It's love rising from the dead within us. It's not our feelings, our choice, our work, but God's feelings, God's choice, God's work in us. It's the promised and eternal seed taking root and growing within us. Uh, Listen to 1 John 4, 7 through 8, the whole thing. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. God is love. So if you don't love, raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, now some of you are not raising your hand, which I think is a way of saying, I am without sin. And First John says, that makes you a liar, and that's sin, so you raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. Raise, raise. You know, last week I confessed to being proud. You know, what is proud? It's thinking that we are responsible for love when love is responsible for us. I mean, it's just sin, okay? Yeah, raise your hand, all right? Now, you can put it down. If you do love, because he said whoever um, loves is born of God. If, if you do love, now raise your hand. Okay, now some of you are a little bit hesitant to raise your hand. Mike, I see that? You're a little bit hesitant. But I bet you've loved. 
I bet you have. I bet you've um, given a drink to a thirsty person because you, you wanted to. I, I bet you've uh, given food to a hungry person because you wanted, maybe they were even your kids, but they were a hungry person. You gave them food because you, you, you wanted to. I bet you've visited a sick person because you wanted to. And you said, but I don't remember. When did I see him sick and visit him? When did I see him hungry and give him food? When was he thirsty? And, and I gave him, him water. Well, you see, I don't think you remember trying to do it because it wasn't your ego that was doing it. It wasn't your pride that was doing it. Well, God is love, but who are you? It's like there's two of you. A you that tries to love, but doesn't love. An imposter. And a you that doesn't really try to love, but does love, like God. A you that loves in freedom. God is love, and love is incorruptible, aphasia. In 1 Corinthians 15, which comes after 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes this. For this corruption must put on the incorruptible, aphasia. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the corruptible puts on the incorruptible and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. That is, believing you could create love. And the power of sin is the law. That is the description of love. That's what you'd use. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the presence of love. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In other words, your love is incorruptible. We see, anyway, it's literally like there's an old corruptible imposter of a man that you think you create that cannot love and a, a new incorruptible man that God has created that does love for he is constructed of incorruptible love like a waterfall is constructed of water. I think the waterfall could say, I am water even though it isn't all water. So God is love, and I am what? Well, I am constructed with the blood of Christ, which is to flow through me like blood through a body. Paul told us that we are members of Christ's body. So my new man knows it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. Well, in Ephesians 4.20, remember, Paul told us, he said, to learn Christ is to put off your old man who is corrupt through deceitful desires and put on the new man created, already created after the image of God in true righteousness and, and holiness. The new man loves but doesn't create credit for, for love, like a waterfall flows but doesn't take credit for the water. The old man does not love. But, but he isn't to be condemned for that luck of love. 
because he's already been condemned at the cross. You see, you don't need to punish him. You just need to observe him. And it's not like he could have done anything differently. He's incapable of love. <laughs> He's blind to love. Love is God's feelings, God's choice, God's work in us. See, your work does not create love. But love creates your work. Your supposed free will does not create love. But love creates your free will. Love is free will. And you know what you may be thinking, it's what I think, but you ask this question, well, but, 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 but what do I have to do? Well, I'm not sure that you have to do anything. The old man can do nothing. The new man doesn't have to do anything. He's free. He doesn't have to do anything, but, but he desires to do everything. He, he desires to love because he is love and, and God is love. You see, if you, if you see that, if you learn that, which I'm, I'm not saying is easy to learn, if you see Christ and so learn Christ, then you will look at yourself from time to time and think, hey, look at that. Why, I was patient and kind. I was not jealous or boastful. <laughs> By Jove, I think I loved. But you will not take credit for that love. You will not boast about that love. You will give thanks to God for that love, which is the very presence of more love. And if on another occasion, you look at yourself and you say, hey, I was arrogant and rude. I was jealous and boastful. I did not love. You will then say this. That's not me. Why, why that's a lie about me. That's not the new man. That's the old man. And just that exposes the old man and destroys the old man, and in the place of the old man is what? A desire for the new man. In the place of sin is a desire for grace. In the place of not love is a desire for love, which is in fact more love, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So the old man is a space in which the new man is revealed. You see, love wastes nothing. Kind of like literally wastes it fills it with something <laughs> and even uses the nothing to exhibit the something. But love is not a work you do. However, love is working itself out in you. He is working himself out in you. He is being formed in you. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. In the Bible, the fruit of the woman is called what? Now, you ought to know this. A baby. You didn't know that? Okay, the fruit, because I always think it's like an apple or a, a banana or something, you know what I mean? The fruit of the woman is called a baby, 
We are the bride of Christ. And when we love, which is the will of the Father, when we love, we are Christ's mother. He says so. Whoever does the will of my Father is my mother. And if we're his mother, he is our fruit. Now, I've seen a woman give birth four times. And each time, two things became incredibly clear to me. Number one, she did not make that baby. And so she was just profoundly grateful for that baby. That baby was the gift of God. Number two, although she did not make that baby, carrying that baby and delivering that baby was just one hell of a lot of work. I know, yeah, maybe there's a number three. It was messy. Well, you don't make love. Love makes you. And you don't work love, but trust me, love will work you. And in this world of space and time, love is always working. Until you enter his rest and are finished, love is working you and all things. God's will is love, and God's will is that you would love. Ephesians 1.10, God gets what he wills. That's what Paul told us. Ephesians 3.18, God wills to fill you with all the fullness of God. That's what Paul told us. Ephesians 4.10, Jesus descended and ascended in order to fill all things. You see, all creation is his school of love. So don't let any religious person come along and tell you that in order to do God's will, you have to go to like seminary and be a pastor or something. God forbid. Or that you have to go off and meditate in a cave somewhere for three or four years. God's will is that you would love wherever you are. And love is working itself out wherever you are. To be in God's will, just do what you do in love. And if you're a hitman for some terrorist organization and you find out that you're not able to do what you do in love, well then quit in love. And then you've been saved by love and can share your testimony of love. And that is exactly uh, what happened to the chief of sinners, the Apostle Paul. He was a Jewish terrorist and love grabbed hold of him and love used it all and turned it in uh, to the letter that we're reading today. That's his story, Paul's story of incorruptible love. So to be in God's will, just do what you do in love. It may look like a foot massage. It may look like a smile, maybe God's smile that you put on. It may look like two naked kids doing confusing, saying weird, crappy stuff. I don't know, but it may look like a painful confrontation. Sometimes it does look like it. I mean, it may look like Jesus rebuking Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, or rebuking the Pharisees. You see, it's very hard to judge love from the outside. It's actually God judging you from the inside. And so I'm not saying it won't be painful. I'm not saying it won't be messy. I'm not saying it won't be exhausting. God will use rebellious children and he'll use cantankerous parents and he'll use disgruntled employees and mass destruction. God will use disobedience, futility, and even the devil. Love feels like labor in this world. In fact, Paul writes, the whole creation is in labor. Love means labor, like a baby means labor. So I really want you to hear this. Love is not a tool 
to get other things done. All other things, all creation is a tool, God's tool, to get love done. Love is his baby. God is love, and love in you is God in you, and that's the incorruptible you. So Paul ends Ephesians with this line, grace be, and the be supplied by the translator, so I think probably more accurately, I, I like, grace is with all who love our Lord with love incorruptible. You see, love is, is not this like curse, because that's what we think, oh, you better, you better go love. Love, love is not a curse. Love is the ultimate gift. The ultimate gift of grace. See, I just don't think we take the Bible seriously when it says God is love. So let me summarize what, what we've said and, and just wrap up. If love is incorruptible, God is love and love is God. I don't create love, but love creates me. The incorruptible and eternal me is love. And when I love, I'm giving birth to me. Hello, me. And love is not only a commandment, love is a promise. Remember what Jesus said is a great commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Hear that and you will, not should or might, it's a simple future active indicative. You will, listen to this, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and you will love your neighbor as yourself. That's a promise and the promise is a gift. You see, Jesus is love in flesh and Jesus fulfills the law and he fulfills it in you. Jesus is the will and the word of God that does not return void. Grace is with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. They love in part. But you see, that part is incorruptible. So although you love with part of your heart, you will love with all your heart. And that love is not a curse, but a gift. That love is its own reward. If God is love and love is God, how could there be a reward for love other than love? Love is heaven. Love is all things filled uh, with, with love. All filled with love. In fact, Paul writes, uh, creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. God will be all in all, writes Paul. So all you need is love. For everything that's anything actually is love. Love is heaven. And not loving love is hell. Sin is lusting for hell, which is already a bit of hell. And once we see, we truly see love, we know sin is, is hell and we have compassion for sinners. When I see love, when I truly see love, I have compassion for sinners. I love people. But if I think love is my own work, if I think love is the price I pay for some other reward, then I think love is the price I pay for not love. 
And so I crucify love. I use love to not love. I compete with those I'm called to love. I don't have compassion for sinners because I'm actually jealous of sinners because they get to not love. And deep in my heart, no matter what religious words I use, I hate the idea that God saves sinners because I'm not saved. I don't love love. In other words, I don't love God for God is love. That me is my old man and thank God he's a lie. And he is passing away. But my new man, the real me, is eternal and incorruptible. And I'm coming to meet him in this world of space and time. He is love. Incorruptible. His love is incorruptible. So love can be very messy. Love is a lot of labor. Sometimes love will seem to run out, so you'll be tempted to stop loving. But love never ends. Sometimes love doesn't feel safe. In fact, love will get crucified. Love may even die or seem to die, and so you'll be tempted to give up on love. But love is incorruptible, imperishable. It's the indestructible life of Christ. So, so when you love, the love is not wasted. It is literally your eternal treasure. Actually, you are the Lord's eternal treasure. And he is your eternal treasure. You love with the love of God. Because love is incorruptible. I am incorruptible. And I love God. Now I had a bunch of illustrations and stories, but there's no time for the illustrations and stories. And that's okay, because you see, you are God's illustration. You are his image. You are God's incorruptible story. For on the night that we all betrayed him, love took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take it, eat it. And he took the cup, saying, this cup is the covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Look at that, like a waterfall. <laughs> Drink of it, all of you. He loves you. And he's causing you to love him in incorruption. That's good news. So believe it, in Jesus' name, amen. The dark cups are wine, the light cups are juice. We invite you to come forward, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, receive the love of God for you, and then sing the love of God back to him, like a waterfall, amen. You know, there are a lot of songs about God's love. And uh, especially, I think, in recent years, it's kind of like, yeah, look at how God loves. And wouldn't it be great if you loved like that? And love kind of becomes our responsibility, our work, you know. 
There's this one old hymn that I really love uh, that uh, I think says more than that, love divine, all loves excelling Charles Wesley. I think we've, we've kind of forgotten this, that, that God is love. And so I'd like us to kind of end by singing it. And uh, here's the problem. Michael didn't grow up with him, so he doesn't quite know how to sing it. So he said, well, Peter, come <laughs> sing this with me. But I don't know how to really sing on key. He's a great singer and everything. <laughs> so if you know Love Divine, All Love's Excelling, would you just raise your hand, okay? All right, okay, you people are assigned to sing really loud, all right? <laughs> okay, and if you're confused about the sermon, okay, just, I'm just saying this song, all right? So if you think, oh, Peter's way out there or whatever, I go, yeah, this is the song you've been singing for hundreds of years, all right? So Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. Okay, I'm not, oh, I have a microphone on. That's just scary. Okay. They can turn it off if you want. Yeah. Why don't you turn it off, Glenn? All right. <laughs> love divine, all love's excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all. with thy salvation enter every trembling heart breathe oh breathe thy loving spirit into every troubled breast let us all in Thanks, Michael. <laughs> All right, so receive this as a benediction. Grace is with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And now I know you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but my love is just so, so I don't, sometimes I don't even know if I like him. I know, I know. All it takes is like a mustard seed. And that mustard seed grows into a kingdom. And that's why he created you in the first place. So you see, it's good news. Believe the good news and get on with life, okay? Just expose that old man, let him die, and walk into life. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel. Amen.